Pondering the Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. A uh, little bit of housekeeping. I've got us listed now on a, on a site called Podchaser. Podchaser. Podchaser.com. Uh, and if you're really curious, you can log in there. The reason we, I signed this up there is because that's a place that people can uh, leave feedback and or um, give a rating. I would, love, like a podcast, I would so. love both of those. I would love somebody to rate us and to give us feedback. And a review, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, be happy to... to hear all of it. And as a bonus, you can see pictures of us. If, in case you've never actually met us, you can see our pictures. Yeah, that's a treat. <laughs> <laughs> what I found funny is my picture is very serious and your picture is kind of goofy. Yeah. Here in the podcast, we're the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I have a granddaughter who gave me a uh, stuffed possum for Father's Day. Uh, and I'm at a period where I'm using the possum in as many pictures as possible and then sending those pictures to her while she's away for the summer. Uh, and so one of those ended up, yeah, in Podchaser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the other thing is that next week you will be out. Yep. Uh, I'm traveling uh, to spend some time with my parents. Okay. Um, I have reached out to the lay speaker for next week to see if that person might be interested in doing the podcast. I haven't heard back yet, so... There's a chance there may not be an episode next week. It always surprises me that there's any pause at all. If somebody had asked me, I would have went, yeah, love to. Uh, but each time we've used a guest speaker, there's always been a, uh, I'm not let sure. me think about that. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And I guess that surprises me. <laughs> yeah, but we're weird. Weird, buddy. You're weird. <laughs> Right. That's true. Yeah. So we're a different cut. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they think it's too formal, but I mean, I think we're pretty laid back and easygoing. I think so. But I don't know. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and jump into episode three. Okay. Um, we, what, we're still in the book of Ezra. Yes, we what, are. What chapter and verses are we reading this week? We did all of chapter two last week, 70 verses. All of it! And so to keep that balanced, uh, tonight we're in chapter three. Verses one through six. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. We could have had two different episodes about equal length, but no, you have to cut them back. No, that's not how I did it. <laughs> all right. And then what translation are you reading from tonight? Working from the NLT. Okay. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Yeshua son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. 
The people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord. Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Amen. So initially two questions. Um, Well, it's a two-part question for the same question. When did this happen? Uh, And very first line of verse 1 of chapter 3 says, in early autumn. Some other translations will say, in the seventh month. Right. And so that kind of translates differently, but it's because it's a lunar calendar. Right. And so we kind of say it's probably what, October, September, October, September, November, October. Somewhere, exactly. Yeah, somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. And that's the, how the NLT comes up with early autumn. Right. The Jewish calendar has 13 months, but they are all exactly four, uh, four weeks, 28 days long. So every month is exactly the same. Still comes out to 52 weeks a year. Um, but yeah, so it throws their month system off from ours, and it means sometimes uh, Tabernacles comes in mid-September, but it can come all the way uh, as late as mid-October. Same reason Easter moves. Exactly. For exactly the same reason. Okay. Uh, and then when does this, after the return of the exiles to yeah. to Jerusalem, when does this chapter actually begin? If all you had to read was Ezra, you would think that... Uh, the next day... Cyrus lets them all go. <laughs> the next day, you know, 50-some thousand people move to Jerusalem, uh, and immediately they throw the Festival of Tabernacles. And no, that's not how it works. <laughs> not really. Huh? You know, we said last week that uh, that list we had of returnees uh, was a census taken at the eight-year mark. Uh, so a long time had gone by that, that people had been trickling into the city to get those somewhere between 30 and 50,000 residents. Now, another five to 10 years beyond that has happened. Um, and, and we know this because of, uh, the books of, uh, Nehemiah and the books of Esther, uh, as well as Chronicles and Kings. That So now we're looking at somewhere around the year 520 A.D., uh, and so fif- roughly 15 years after Cyrus told them they could go home. 15 years. Okay, so now Finally we're... getting around to the very first temple festival, and yet we have no temple. Right. <laughs> and in fact, their mission, their, what do they call it in here, the... Um, a unified purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny yeah. wording to me. Don't do it like that. Um, is to rebuild <clears throat> the altar, not yeah. the whole temple. It's no. just the altar. Yeah, just some place that they can. They have to have the center of right. of worship, essentially. Right. And so that's their mission. That's their what they're attempting to do. And all these people. They're not all living in Jerusalem now. This is like 15 years later. So they've actually probably established themselves at now their home. If you remember, um, we said that uh, mostly the priests and the, and the higher up guys were going to live in Jerusalem, although there are no homes in Jerusalem. The city was utterly destroyed. So you can't really live in Jerusalem proper. And, and when we finished last week's reading, it talked about most people traveling to nearby villages and towns to live. Uh, one of the the really big issues with the return is how do we feed these people? Right. The, there's 
the entire southern Israel, all of Judea, has been vacant without people for 70 years. So there are no farms that are up and running. There's no farms. There's no crops. There's no shepherds. There's, there's no nothing. established system of trading with right. others for food. And they're not minting their own money at this point. So they couldn't buy food even if it was for sale. So there's this huge issue of, of how do we feed Thank heavens that not everybody came back. We could not have fed everyone. Right. Thank heavens it's a small group. And so a lot of people living in the, the nearby villages around Jerusalem have become very agrarian. They're, they're planting and, and harvesting. And at this point, it looks like this is the first they've reached a sustainable harvest. It's the first time that they've they've got enough food coming in that they're real confident we're not going to starve. Uh, God is providing for us. Uh, next year, there'll be another crop. The farms are finally established enough. We feel comfortable in that. And, and somebody says, well, you know, there used to be this thing called the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was all about celebrating the fall harvest and thanking God that we've got enough food and we're going to survive. And they're like, well, what a we great need idea. to do this. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brilliant. We should be doing that. So now the Feast of Shelters or the Feast of Tabernacles, very same thing, right? Uh, is listed or is called out in Exodus chapter 23, verses 17 through 14, chapter 34, 18 through 23, and also in Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 16. Yeah. It's called Sukkot. Yeah, it's got several names. Right. Uh, Which is the Hebrew word for shelter, hut, or a booth. Right. It's also called the Feast of Ingathering. It's lots of different names. Uh, It's an annual feast. Well, it's supposed to be. This is the first one they've had in 70 years, 70 plus years, actually. Probably 85 at least, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Matt sucks. Matt sucks. Uh, and it's an annual feast. It's one of the f- three pilgrimage feasts. This is one of the yeah. three feasts you must, in your lifetime, travel to Jerusalem yeah. to participate in. You were expected, prior to the fall of the temple, you were expected to make tabernacles at least once. And the other two are unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Weeks. Right, Passover. Passover. Yeah. They're trying to reestablish Jewish religion. Yeah. They're trying to put the whole yeah. temple system back in place. And the first right. thing they're going to do is thank God, yep. which is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just have a feast uh, to thank God. And it starts talking about all the sacrifices that need to be made. Mm-hmm. And it, it lists a lot of stuff. There that's was being a bunch done. there we read off. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like a daily and a weekly and a moon harvest or moon sacrifice. Uh, and the it says that the, te- the, the priests, so I guess we've established the priesthood again. Right. Well, we had plenty of those come back. Right. And then some, <laughs> some not so, <laughs> not so priest-like. Some of back. the wannabes. Yeah. <laughs> and so they start reestablishing just the, the general um Sacrificials, the, the the daily, weekly, monthly kind of yes. sacrifice system yes. so they can start to get back into good graces with God. Um, now, each day of this Feast of Shelters it has offerings. Uh, the In addition to the two lambs of the daily sacrifice, um, they had to get by this. Well, by the end of the seventh day of the feast, they have been offered, they've offered up 70 bulls, 14 rams, 98 lambs, not counting the two for the dailies, 
uh, seven goats, and there's also cereal offerings, water, and wine libations. So yeah. it's a big party. <laughs> lots of meat, lots of wine. Uh, seven days you live in a hut. That's yep. basically what you have to do. Yeah. That's why it's called shelters. You live in a hut. It's a remembering of when they were on the Exodus, living out in the wilderness, and they didn't have permanent homes, uh, and they didn't, they weren't able to farm because they were up and moving every day, traveling somewhere else. Uh, and so this festival was a thank you, God, that we finally have homes. Thank you, God, that we have reliable food. But we mentioned earlier, and I'll bring it up again, they're only going to rebuild the the altar, right? Not the entire temple, right? I mean, that was their mission, right? Just come back. Well, Cyrus wanted them to rebuild the walls, right? They said they wanted to come back and rebuild the temple, but we're going to start out by rebuilding the altar. Why didn't they build the entire temple? At this yeah, point? you know, we're fifteen years in, and at this point, not a single stone has been set on another stone to do anything with the temple. And you might wonder why. What's what is why didn't they get right to that? And to answer that, we got to jump back two hundred years in history. Okay, um, King Saul's the first king of Israel. David is uh, the second king of Israel. David's son Solomon is the third king of Israel. And when Solomon dies, there's a civil war. And Israel, very much like the United States, gets split into north and south. And when that happens, the northern part keeps the name Israel. The southern part, uh, which is primarily the tribe of Judah, right. takes on the name Judea. So Judea is southern Israel, Israel's northern Israel, although as time goes by, um, they building uh, – southern, southern Israel, Judea, has Jerusalem, right. and they've got the Holy Temple. Nor northern part, Israel, they don't have a capital, they don't have a, a religious site, so they start building those, and they, they build their capital in the city of Samaria, and then over time, they change the name of the, of the northern country to Samaria, and then they start building religious sites all around north because people are still traveling south, coming to the temple, bringing their money, making offerings, and worshiping God. And, and the rulers up north are like, stop that! Right. You're taking our money away. Our money's traveling <laughs> south, and you're making the Judeans rich, and we don't do that. So they had they had in, tried to, to put together an alternate worship system in the north so that the money and the people would, would stay put. Well, in the year 715, the Assyrians, uh, and they're the bad boys on the block just before the Babylonians, mm -hmm. they come west and they attack Samaria. And they, they devastate Samaria. And they take all of the adult males back to the capital of Nineveh, where right. Jonah goes, uh, as, as slaves. And they just leave behind women and children. And the weak and the elderly and yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. not wanted, if you will. Northern Israel, Samaria, is really good farmland. It's right. ex excellent farmland. And so Assyrian lords are given huge estates in Samaria. And they come out and start building these fantastic villas and, and huge estates in Samaria. And they start marrying Sumerian women and having children. And these children are now half Assyrian, half Jewish, half Hebrew. Right. And to those down south, they're very racist. That's like, you're, you're now nothing. 
You're not Jewish anymore, so you're nothing. Don't come south. Don't try to walk into our temple. And our God is no longer your God. Wow. Uh, and, and it was this very bitter religious break with, with the North. Um, and so when uh, 150 years later, when uh, Southern Israel, when Judah, Judea gets hauled off to Babylon, um, the Samaritans are left behind and they build their own temple. Oh, good. They're still trying to worship the one God. Right. And so they build their own temple up on a mountain. It's kind of a replica of the one that was in Jerusalem. Not as big, not quite as fancy, but it's a place to go and worship the one and only God. Well, when the exile is over and and the Jews come back to Jerusalem, um, the Samaritans initially are there to greet them. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> Good to see you. Find your, your trip, your vacation's over. Welcome <laughs> back. Good to see you guys around. Um, and uh, we know you got a lot to do. We know you want to rebuild your temple. We would be happy to help you with that. We have some outstanding stonemasons who are just chomping at the bit to get in there and help you uh, create a fabulous new temple. Um, many of you probably don't remember what it looks like or you've never seen one. We've got a smaller one. Come take a look at ours. We'll let you use that as a guide. And uh, and then we can, you know, we'll start worshiping with, with each other. This is really going to be cool. Right. And the higher-ups, the old men, Zerubbabel and Yeshua, the old guard, quickly go, oh, no, 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 no. You are not worthy. You are mudblood. No one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. You right. are not welcome down here. Your job is to cough up a bunch of gold and pay for our temple, but don't you dare try to work on it and touch it and pollute our beautiful new temple, and you will never see the inside, and we don't care about your temple. It's not a real temple. And by the way, stop worshiping our God. Wow. Stop it. Uh, and the Sumerians at this time, we start calling them Samaritans. Okay. You're going to hear those right. in the New Testament, right? A lot of that uh, in the New Testament, right? Yeah. And so the Samaritans say, okay, how about this for a second offer? Um, no, we're not going to give you any gold to rebuild your temple. And for while you were gone for 70 years, we raised an army, trained an army, fought battles. We have a battle-experienced army. Best we can tell, all you got is a bunch of priests and musicians. Right. Some sli <laughs> or some uh, household help. And <laughs> yeah. And that's about all you are. So you try to put your temple together. We'll come down there and kill y'all. Yeah. How about that for an offer? Catch me outside. How about that? And we'll worship the one and only God. You see if you ever have a temple to worship God again. We'll be the only ones. And so that's why there's this fear in these first six verses of, of chapter three here of, oh, we better not build the temple. We don't have an army. We're not ready for combat. Um, don't do it yet. Let's, let's work on farming. Let's work on houses for our people. Let's work on getting a steady government. But there's nothing done with the temple because of fear. And it's not until this first really good harvest comes in and the young people go to the old people and say, we need to worship God, and you need to show us how. Yeah. Well, that explains verse 3, where it says because they, they were afraid of their neighbors. I'm like, what yeah. neighbors would they be afraid of, right? Didn't uh, didn't they have permission to come? But, yeah, the, 
they kind of treated their neighbors poorly yes. <laughs> and kind of got beat up for or challenged about it. And yeah. so now they've got to worry that uh, the northern people, the Samaritans, are going to come down and just kind of, nope, we're taking it now. Yeah. Now that this is available and we'll take it. You know, we talked um, a couple times now that during the 70 years of exile, worship in Babylon changed. There mm-hmm. was no temple. You couldn't do any of the festivals. And so worship changes. The Bible takes on a brand new significance. Um, small local worship synagogues pop up. Rabbis um, become more important than DNA priests. Uh, and worship changes dramatically. And, and a couple of the things that follow them back to Judea, back to Jerusalem, is this idea that the Bible is primary. Mm. If a priest tells you do this or don't do that, before you do or don't do that, you check it against the Bible. See if the priest is right. And you only do those things that are authorized by the Bible. That's that's very different yeah. from the Judah that are yeah, from the Judah that went to Babylon. The second issue that, that's popped up with them is God's everywhere. We saw miracles in Babylon. Now, the Holy Temple was destroyed, and yet we saw miracles in Babylon. Don't rush me, Sonny. You rush a miracle, man, you get right the miracles. So clearly, God lives outside of the temple. You don't have to have a temple to be engaged with the one God. Right. The Holy of Holies was supposed to be the dwelling place right. of God. Yes. And when they tore down the temple, God had nowhere to be. Yeah. But they found out God is omnipotent. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. So they're like, hey. We don't even have to have a temple. Yeah. And the third thing is, before the the exile, there was this real tendency um, to judge God, how much God does or doesn't love you by how good or bad your life is. If you're poor, clearly God doesn't love you. Right. If you're rich, God must love you so much that it doesn't even matter if you sin because you're still rich even though you've been sinning. So God loves you more than anybody else. When they end up in exile, they're all trying to figure out, if God loves loves us, both the rich and the poor are here. How did this happen? What does this say about God? And they, over 70 years, they come to this idea, whether my life is incredible or whether my life is pure tragedy, God is still good and God still loves me. And I will celebrate God even when everything goes wrong. That's a big change. That's a massive change. That's a huge change. And so now here we are. Uh, it, the uh, It's time to celebrate tabernacles. The young people have brought in the harvest, and the priests go, Ooh, we don't want to do this. We, we think this could be bad. The Samaritans will come down and kill us. And the young people all say, no, no, no. God will protect us. God will take care of us. Or maybe he won't. But either way, the Bible says... We have to do this. You have to do this. If if God has blessed you with a rich harvest, the Bible says, celebrate Sukkoth, celebrate tabernacles. Uh, And no, we don't have a temple, but God is everywhere. So if all we do is rebuild an altar and just burn the offerings on that, that'll be good enough. Now, we need you to show us the ceremonies, and we need you to, uh, to teach us the litanies and the liturgies, but... God loves us whether the Samaritans come down here and kill us or not. God is here whether there's a, a marble temple or not. And the Bible says, do this. 
so we're going to do it. So the changes that took place in Babylon have followed them back home and are now impacting traditional temple worship. Interesting. Now we see in the New Testament that some of that thinking returns, though. Yeah. With, you know, I'm, you know, especially with um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Pharisees, yes. you know, God loves me more, all that stuff, and God doesn't love you because you're, you're lame yes. or you're poor or you're sick. So as, as time goes by, a lot of the old beliefs creep back in. Mm, too bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the new thinking, if you will, uh, is much better. Yeah. You know, it's more like what we think today, right? It God is. God loves me no matter what. Yeah. Uh, good or bad, I give thanks to God. Yeah. Um, and we should do what God commands no matter what. I don't get cancer because God hates me. Cancer just comes. Yeah. God loves me no matter how sick I am. And if I have a fabulous day on the stock market, that doesn't mean God loves me. It means I just guessed right on some numbers. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like we kind of mentioned before, they start their daily kinds of sacrifice system. Now they start adding this other stuff on. So obviously, like like you said, they've had a good uh, harvest. Now they've got livestock because they've got enough to do all these sacrifices, and yeah. they start this uh, this celebration, this uh, yeah. festival, uh, which is awesome because now they're you know giving back to yeah. God. It took them a long. Well, I don't know how long it took them to forgive him, but <laughs> how could this happen to us? Hey, what happened? We're going to see that they survive. Tabernacles, the Samaritans don't come and kill them all, and God does appreciate offerings that acknowledge his generosity and his goodness to his people. And it goes so well that next time when we come back in chapter 3, we're going to see the old guys go, maybe we ought to rebuild the foundation. Mm. The young people have convinced us, maybe we ought to rebuild the foundation. Interesting. So a reminder, uh, next week is... We're not sure. It won't be Rocky and I. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, have you given a sermon title? Calling yeah. it old and new, because this is the first time we see a, a blended worship, if you will, uh, taking place. Uh, the old litanies, the old traditions, the old reasons, but in a brand, you know, out in a bare field with nothing but a, an altar mm. and God. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.ponderumc.org slash ministries slash sermons. Look for the sermon title, Old and New. And this will have been delivered on July 3rd, 2022. Uh, And I think with that, we'll close this episode. And I have a pro tip for you. Yes. Opportunity may knock once, but temptation bangs on your front door forever. (laughs) Lord, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) This is Ken Corkins and Rock Ellison reminding you to love God, be nice to people, and catch us on Podchaser. Thank you for listening. You can find us at www.ponderumc.org. There, you can watch the live stream of our casual service, listen to replays of this and past sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.